Well, folks, welcome to the George Lynch Hunting Podcast brought to you by Legendary Gear. Um, one of the things that we're always, I like to do in my podcast is I'm always trying to educate as much as I can to those out there who I consider students in what we do. And, and um, you know, when you're looking at 40 and 50 years of doing something that you, you like to pass on a little bit of your knowledge. And, you know, a few years ago at the World uh, goose calling competition, Eastern Maryland. I was blessed to become friends with a, a man who was a biologist. And it's really interesting in the years that you spend to be able to convert with somebody and, and talk and, and, and discuss uh, intelligent things that are done based on data. And because uh, we're in a world that <laughs> believe me with social media and everything that's based on uh, opinions and everybody has been whether it's political, whether it's uh, sports professions, you know, but when we when we talk about things, it's close to home. And to me, it's our wildlife and 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 God's little creation like that of under trying to have a better understanding. So not that we control things, but we're, our job is to help things move along. And, and, you know, so my next guest here is Doug Osborne, who's the, the bio, chief biologist, I would call that, if, out of University of Arkansas. And Doug's knowledge and, and the teams that he has uh, trained throughout the years is is outstanding and, and and to be respected as it is that uh, putting that type of uh, talent out there, which we need. But uh, Doug is, I, I love talking with Doug and having him on here. And I think it's very important to hear what he has to say. And uh, with what we're coming up with me, uh, another year here in Southern Iowa, we're facing a, a really a, a nasty drought that isn't just um, affecting the wildlife here, and, and, but it's also affecting the farmers, our crops, or, you know, the harvest that we're going to get, and, you know, the, the, the rumors and the talk that you hear going around it in the church, you know, with all the farmers, we hear things. So we know that right now that we're in times that uh, we need to be uh, educated, uh, not to panic, but we do need to be educated what our next steps forth and what, how we should, uh, what we should do. And Doug, I appreciate you coming on in, in your busy time and your busy schedule to get on here. But uh, I think what you have to say and, you know, the you and I just talking a little bit before the podcast here that, you know, there's some great information. And um, but I appreciate you spending your time. I appreciate it. Thanks for the, the introduction. And, you know, and uh, being an employee at the University of Arkansas, you know, that's mentoring and education is, is sort of my realm. And, and focus on building students and the next generation of biologists and land managers and uh, policy makers and, you know, the next wildlife professors at the university. And so we're, you know, I'm excited to have had a really good cohorts of students through the years come through here and very proud of the, all the graduate students that's gone on to get master's degrees with me and moved on to federal and state agencies and academia and, and uh, Ducks Unlimited and, and Delta Waterfowl. And so moving into those nonprofits are just as important. So I appreciate your the nice introduction and and look forward to our discussion here. Absolutely. You know what? I'm not going to waste any time. My wife is always on me, says you need to get right into the meat and potatoes because you don't want to list your listeners when they click. <laughs> and guys, you need to hang on because we're going to jump right in. Where are we right now today um, with everything with waterfowl? Uh, well, sir, you know, we got, we're all hot off the press here, pretty recent, you know, last week or two, uh, here with survey numbers and, uh, may pond count surveys. Uh, and again, one thing to, to note, you know, survey numbers are down, the ponds are dry. You mentioned that, uh, across the, 
you know, across Iowa, the farmers are really feeling it. And so, uh, you know, the, the, the ducks are feeling it too. And so when, when, the, when the ducks win, we win. And so that's what this is all about. And that's the things that we do and study, but we know May ponds are down, but they, you know, they, they're shifty, right? Sometimes the Eastern part of the prairies is wet and sometimes the wet's wet or the West side's wet. And so it just, every year we're, it's just dynamic and the birds have to respond to that. You know, waterfowl are short-lived species that have that lay a lot of eggs, and so they they are really quick to rebound. And so, yes, our populations, our numbers are down, our may ponds are down. Um, you know, mallard mallard specifically. Uh, I'm looking at the numbers here to my left. It says, uh, you know, we're down 18% from last year, 23% from the long year uh, long-term average. I mean, 18% seems like, oh man, this is going to be a horrible, horrible migration. But, but again, guys, this is a sport we love. We're in this thing. I mean, we're in this, we're, this is a marathon, not a sprint. We don't need every year kill limits every day. We got to really manage expectations. We got to enjoy the hunt for what it's worth. You know, we got to enjoy the time spent in the marsh, uh, the time spent with our buddies out there. And sometimes if our harvest is down a little bit, it's okay. That's what we sort of need to understand. And so we've gotten into this era. I think so to social media some a little bit screwed it up. And the fact that all it's about is making sure your strap has got a limit on it. And, you know, and that's that's what I try to instill in my young and my students here. It's it's not about that. And I'll go out and hunt with some of my students every year. I'll try to get on a hunt. I'll leave my gun in a truck to directly show that that is not what's important to me. And so getting back to the numbers, May ponds are down. Uh, they've been down for the last two years on the survey. But again, what we talked about earlier, we missed two years of the survey completely. We didn't fly the ponds. We didn't count the ponds. Uh, and so the numbers, the way they reflect is we're probably down the last four or five years in water overall. And it's shifty. Some areas of the prairies right now are really wet, like extremely wet, small portions in North Dakota are really fortunate to have had had some good water but overall you know the expansion of the prairie the, the 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 overall size of the prairie a small portion in north dakota that produces probably you know 15 to 20 percent of the ducks through the mississippi flyway is wet but what about the other 80 you know percent and so uh, canadian prairies are down and uh you know we just we just need to pray for rain um uh, you know, but it's, it's, it's not the end of the world. We're not, we don't need to get panic about this because actually when par prairies dry, right, they don't need to dry for five years. We, we, we need right. next year to be good here. Uh, but when these dry, the nutrient cycling exactly. processes that happen in these wetlands is actually increases production tenfold or even more i don't know that exact number but it really increases production because the the plant communities are 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 nutrient rich uh resulting in good bug hatches and then it's really good brood habitat for those birds once it you know does get water on it again so again i don't i don't think we're in a we're not in a state right now that we need to panic um the numbers in terms of the of the may pond uh, there was maybe, you know, 5 million ponds of water or so. And then the population count of mallards is at about, you know, a little over 6 million. 
those two numbers fit into a, a matrix that helps us to define what that harvest uh, structure, the framework of, of the hunting season is going to be like. And it still puts us right smack dab in the middle of a, of, you know, of a, of a liberal season. So next year, according to the May ponds and, and duck counts this year, the 2024-25 season is going to be liberal season unless things change within the flyway council and they decided to, to do something. The matrix, the statistics, and the modeling all say even, you know, next year we should be in a liberal season. Um, but again, there's negotiation process between the states that make up the flyway councils and the federal, you know, the feds at the Fish and Wildlife Service. So, you know, there could be change, but right now we, you know, we shouldn't, I don't think we're in a state to be in a panic. Well, you said something right there earlier that you made a statement that I truly believe that really needs to be pushed and probably shouted is that, and it, it's a great statement because I haven't heard it spoken before, but we are not in a sprint. We're in a, in a marathon and judging and, and, you know, like, so I totally agree. And, and, we as 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 waterfowlers and we as as sportsmen, you know, I think that we need to take a little responsibility ourselves and you know educate ourselves and and yeah. myself, you know, and, and and I take the same philosophy to my deer hunting and to turkey hunting. You know, our turkeys have been down uh, and they've been like that nationwide. But yeah, you know, I got uh, we could shoot two apiece, my wife and I. But I went uh, last year without shooting one because I wanted to help, you know, structure and let them come back. So you sacrifice, you know, a year not having your your poster or your picture of your turkeys. Uh, this year they started coming back and chose only to take one. And mm -hmm. and we see, you know, again, I see the numbers starting to get better. But we as hunters, not always what I'm trying to say is, you know, the, the, the DNR said, hey, I could go kill two apiece. But there's a time as, as a sportsman, like you said, hey, I want to see this in the next, not just today. What's it going to be in the next three to five years from now? Yeah. And you're making a great point. And, and, and another thing that uh, I didn't know, like you said, we forget about the the about COVID and what the the, the cause and, and that the, there's always a cause and effect. And, you know, the effect from the cause of COVID without that, you know, you said we lost we lost two years of data and in manufacturing. I was trained by some of the best uh, consultants in the country. And one of the things that you always, you know, hey, you got to have 10 plot points before you see a trend. And while you look at your plot point and your your chart, you know, it's it's got some data and then it's got an empty spot. Mm -hmm. We don't know what happened in that. Absolutely. And so in fairness to you guys, it kind of puts you behind. You're trying to, you know, are we behind what we missed two years mm -hmm. ago? And that was a great point that, yeah. uh, you know, you brought up on that. Well, I mean, it's a, a, on, you know, on that point is that, you know, the Fish and Wildlife Service and the Flyway Councils and the states did a really good job sort of uh, uh, not interrupting the harvest, the framework and in, in hunting season by sort of extrapolating what that data potentially looks like. And now, after we have two years of data after that missing gap, when it still shows that, yeah, we may be in a downward trend, but we also are still within the, the bounds of that liberal six, you know, 60 days, six duck bag limit. And so if we would have came out of that survey and all of a sudden, bang, our numbers are so low that we should be a moderate, you know, what 
kind of state would everybody have been and said, oh, darn, we should have been a moderate two, three years ago, you know? And so, so I think the survey and, and, the, and, the, and, the, and the states did a really good job of sort of determining what that potential number is and making sure that we're in the harvest framework that we're not impacting adversely and negatively impacting, you know, our, our populations overall. And, and so the, the trends show we did good during that time, even though we had a lack of data. Um, but, you know, I say we're, we shouldn't get worked up yet about these, but we're getting closer. Yeah. We're, are, we are trickling closer to a potential uh, uh, reduction in our season to, to a moderate season, which would, which was drop us, you know, drop us down to 45 day season if we get into that moderate. So it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a potential, uh, it could happen. Yeah, but do you think that um, this affects ducks more? And when you're talking about pretty much all the waterfowl species, that this this going on is more effect to the duck population, uh, or you know, rather than the Canada and the speckle and the snow geese, or do you think it's a a a, a, a de a fail or a falling of all waterfowl? You know, a decrease. Uh... You know, in the last few years, I haven't been following the goose numbers as not as much, you know, but the the these surveys and this harvest framework is focused on on ducks, right? And so we if just for instance, we may go to a liberal duck season, but that doesn't that won't impact. It shouldn't impact you know the goose population. so those those numbers are are monitored differently. Uh, those regulations are set. Uh, in a different, in a different fashion, you know, and a few years ago, we increased the spec, you know, number of days uh, in, in white front uh, harvest in some of the states. And so we got to the point where, you know, the populations were actually increasing. We knew this from band recovery data that we can, we could establish uh, uh, estimates of population abundance. And we knew that our harvest rate was, was staying within the bounds that we set as sort of an experiment. Uh, yeah, we increased the number of birds could be harvested or the, you know, the length and season that they could hunt them, but harvest rates still stayed within that threshold that we were trying to keep them at to maintain populations. And so I think there's independent, you know, the, the goose populations are, are somewhat independent of what we would see in our, in our framework for, for ducks. We're heading up, uh, I'm heading up next week up to uh, north, uh, northern Saskatchewan. And we're going to be hunting strictly honkers. I mean, it's just it's really too early for the ducks and and stuff like that. But um, they've had a little dryness, you know. They, what you said up there, you know, they've had a little bit. So we're not quite sure. You know, my my contact up there says, hey, the numbers for for the Canada geese looks pretty good. But um, you know, they have. And and my understanding, you know, with with the dryness up there. Yeah, I've, I've had other guys contact me when, when they've heard that. Hey, I know you're going up to Canada, and I said, "Yeah, we're leaving. We're we're actually going the first week of September." And a lot of the guys I know are going the last week to the first week of October, which is a good date. But one of the things that um, you know the guys were talking about up there that you know some of these fields are going to you know hopefully they're going to be harvested by the time we get up there. But because of the dryness, they might be harvested more earlier up yeah. there. You know where these birds are going to be feeding those fields uh, at an earlier opportunity. I don't know 
if that's going to have anything to do, you know, if, if the food source comes open quicker uh, than normal, say it's a week or two weeks earlier, you know, is would you think that the, that would change and, and maybe speed up a little bit of the migration progress that they might be feeding some of these fields out sooner than they would have mm. in a normal harvest? But uh, potentially, but I just I just wonder if water on the landscape is going to drive that, you know, that 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 timing of, of migration through there. And so if it's super dry and birds that are breeding a little bit north of there or something kind of are they going to buzz through? How long are they going to stay? Right. The duration right. of which they're staying there to utilize that energy that's on the landscape for them. You know, if they don't have the water to to roost on, they may not stay long. And so, you know, that you know that's a that's an issue we're dealing with in the South is the is the timing of 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 food when it's on the landscape. And so, you know, our harvest of rice has gotten so much earlier uh, because of the different you know it's resulting in higher yields and they're different you know modifications to some of these grains and they're harvesting it. I mean, they've been harvesting rice here for a couple of weeks. Right. And uh, and so the the early bird gets the worm kind of deal. Right. The way yeah, that's how I look at it. Yeah. Yeah. That's so I mean, we get early, early push of teal and, and we get a pretty decent early push of pintails. And then those white fronts will show up here, you know, the last third week is the third to fourth week of September. We got birds on the ground here and they just all of our signs are data from Ryan Ashkin's project, Ethan Massey's project uh just shows us that those early white fronts just spend so much time hammering the landscape for that rice and by the time the big push of ducks get here that rice is gone yep and that's where i was going with that and that harvest you know if those fields are harvested first the early opportunists are going to come through and get the first cleaning of that how's that affect and that's kind of what we saw here and i and i predicted that's the guys you know with the honkers honkers you know there it takes a pretty good uh, body of water i mean not the small little pounds as much that the honkers will will build up and they'll still build up in the lakes um they might hit some of these uh there might be a few cattle ponds but these cattle ponds are really a lot of them have dried up but uh i knew that it would affect the ducks more than it would the the Canada goose and and, the, and you're exactly right what happened is our ducks you know they came they hung and they were gone and you know what we fed but because they didn't and if whatever pressure was on you know, we have the the lake here and there's a, a tiny what they call a refuge but it really is it's not a very big refuge and it's surrounded by guys on the same body of water all hunting that well it doesn't take long because you know whether those which way those birds come in they're getting shot at and getting pressured so if they don't have those little bodies of waters that a lot of times that they would just come off and in whether it was a uh, a day roost or you know something that was uh, holding that they would go a loafing pond i guess is the word i was looking for if those weren't there they they buzz out and leave be number one but then you know no water and, and the pressure of where what attainable water they have the pressure that's there yeah you know so that's right it's a tough thing and another bad thing of it the aspect and um the few people who had majority of some big tracts of land that maybe were our big cattle farmers who had the big bigger bodies of, of cattle pasture ponds that were pretty good size that did hold water um they were the only ones getting ducks and they were the only ones getting hunting you know it kind of isolated you know mm-hmm. Where we, and of course, I was lucky to get on a couple of those hunts, but 
we were holding all the ducks mm-hmm. and after a couple hunts they were gone yeah yeah. Tough. yeah they just they just even know the food's there and sometimes you know some of the times it's a pressure in that little bit of water and so that's you know it's just it's unfortunate it, i mean this is an example we get during our banding season you know in february we've been banning here what since 2014 or something going on nine, 10 years of, of banding mallards in the winter in February after the season. Most of that is to understand the health of these females. Are we sending them back healthy? Uh, trying to look at, you know, various distributions, uh, timing of migration from band data. I mean, there's some air and there's in some of the data points and that kind of thing, but it's it's the best we have. Um, and so we get to, you know, when a couple of years ago, we had a super we had that we had an arctic blast through here i mean we had we had seven inches of ice in arkansas i mean this is not seven inch ice country and we froze up we had we had we had snow on the ground uh these birds our transmitters hunkered down for a little bit but we were right in the middle of banding season and 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 some of our students are saying hey the birds are piled up on this big pond over here i said we are not chasing these things you have to leave them we got to back off Let's feed them. Let's dump food to them. But we are not going to try to catch them and 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 make them spend extra energy yeah. right now because it's critical that they get through this next week. I can. Uh, it's it's like you said. After a while, it's about having a heart. Um, I remember years ago, I had a good pro staff that uh, when I originally uh, had lynch mob calls, they were all from Des Moines. And we'd come out in that late season. Of course, you had all those river systems and we didn't have pressure back then. I mean, it was just, I mean, you didn't, we didn't, not like Michigan, we had a lot of late season pressure, but they, uh, those honkers would just, they would come off there and if you were in the field, you didn't really have to call much. And and uh, I remember one year, it was a bitter cold Christmas. And I, I remember I went out there and I think we hunted a week. I hunted twice. And the guys that were, they were killing them pretty heavy every day in the same field. And I said, how can that be? And so I get out there with them. The first morning I hunt, you you look, it was either minus nine, minus nine on the truck t- temperature, you know. And I'm sitting there going, guys, I don't hate these things. This is ridiculous, you know. <laughs> well, I'm telling you, it was um they were still, you know, what little river and water was open that they kept open, but they were coming because we had so much snow at that time that the only field that was standing beans, that's, mm-hmm. it was, they, because of the, the uh, need for food, for survival, overwhelmed and overrated their sense of defense, if that, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. So these birds were pretty much were just submitting and said, hey, I'm coming in yeah. and I did one morning, maybe two mornings, and I told the guys, I, I can't hunt like this because, I mean, these birds, were, you know, first yeah. of all, when we shoot, we're pushing them over to other places. These birds are trying to survive, and we're burning up energy yeah. that, you know, it just, after a while, you got to look at this and say, hey, let them feed, let them live, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I talk about not running a sprint, but I, you know, don't get me wrong. I love having, I love having good, a good hunt season, and we all do, you know, but it, in, and deep down in all of all of us sportsmen, we we got a conservationist in us, and, and we know when when's enough sometimes. And so, you know, that's why I, I play the card of trying to, you know, just you know, when you got a down season, just make the best of it. Have it, you know, you don't need to kill more birds this year than you did last year. Have a good season, be happy with what you got, and let's just pray the good Lord brings us rain next year. And so, you know, and. 
I mean, it, it comes, it fluctuates. And, and like I said, these populations are really respond, like truly can rebound quickly, you know, in a couple of years. If you look back at the, at the Fish and Wildlife, you know, survey, uh, the, the, the population survey that's out every year, you know, I mean, in the, you know, in that early, I guess would have been, you know, from 2010 to, to 15, I mean, the population went from a low to a high in just a couple of years. And so these, you know, it's not, we're not in doomsday here. If our populations are down, they're going to, they'll come back, you know, and they'll, they'll rebound pretty good. Uh, as long as we keep grass on the prairie, which is one thing we can impact, right? We can't keep, we got to leave that grass out there. Uh, and then we got to pray for the rain. I mean, that's just what it boils down to. We need wetlands and grass and our birds will, you know, do fine. I think we all become the prophet Elijah and pray for rain. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Well, that's great. Um, what's let me put it this way: in in, do you see, and maybe you don't want to, to cover this, but do you see some states as better states, some states that uh, are going to be suffering? Do you or do you think it's more just coming average across the board? I mean, do you see? You know, if, if I'm a guy looking to this year wanting to do a hunt. Would you say, hey, maybe like you said earlier, North Dakota, some of the spots in North Dakota, because it had more water, you think it's going to see more hunting pressure of guys, you know, if they do their research and. Yeah, I mean, I, I suspect that that's what we've gotten so good at hunting, right? It, I mean, we really we really have uh, and and guys are willing to to chase the birds wherever they're at. And so I. You know, that's what we see. I mean, those years where we couldn't go across the border to shoot, you know, to hunt Canada, North Dakota and seen record, record yeah. sales of hunting licenses, you know. And so, I mean, we, you know, we just we travel a lot and we love our sport and we're committed and we we put our money resources into it, which helps the ducks. Uh, and we're all paying for our own sport. But, yeah, you know, we're I'm sure certain portions of the states you know i i, I worry a little bit about the, some of the central flyway there that are that are dependent on ducks that come out of the prairies because those canadian prairies really are so dry you know and the good you know the good sort of stronghold that we got i guess is that you know that eastern north dakota sort of section there that that's had pretty good rainfall there and i mean the brood yeah, the biologists there in North Dakota put out a that that flaw, that newsletter there saying that their their production, their actual hatch, like that mid-July survey that they're counting ducklings, was 80% up from last, you know, from last year. And so a huge re, you know, success in production in that small little area, you know, and so it'll 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 produce some nice young birds for the year. That's of course what we all like to hunt. You know, those young birds do what they're supposed to do for us. And and so there was good, real good hatch in that area. And so with it being on that, uh, you know, that eastern part of the state there, um, I suspect their southern migration route will come right, right through where I'm hunting. So it'll be in good shape. <laughs> well, folks, that concludes the first half of our show with Dr. Douglas Osborne. Tune in next week for more great information on the migration, population, and management of waterfowl in the USA. And in the interim, check out the waterfowl game calls we designed for duck and goose call hunters on legendarygearusa.com. Well, I'll be out there, rain is shining, all a part of the great design. 
Bring it on, I can never get enough Because that's what legends are made of